The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video, as seen through the eyes of a second-generation Kodak nerd and a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. Well, hello, Dror. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you, Mark? Hey, I'm doing great. You know, our listeners don't know this necessarily because we pace the um, publication of these various episodes. But since we batch these, uh, which is really just a matter of when our guests are available, but that is to say that, you know, one week we might record three or even, uh, have we done four in a week? I don't think we have. We've no, done three yet, though. Not yet. Yeah, that's yeah, enough. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Three's enough. But anyway, the point is it's been a couple weeks since we have been on the mic microphone together so it's it's good to be back yeah yeah it's great to be back i i really enjoy these uh, sessions um you know not only discussing the technology topics with you but always in the episodes where we have guests you know getting their insights and another view another angle into the industry uh it's always enlightening it is it is absolutely yeah you know drawer why don't you introduce our guest yeah so uh today we have with us on the podcast uh yuval neumark from electronic arts hello yuval hey drawer her mark so first i'd like to start by by providing uh, the full disclosure yuval uh, worked for me at the multimedia department of ibm research that was a um, long time ago like uh 20 years right 20 years time flies when you're having fun <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> we've kind of uh, almost came to admit that we've been so long in this industry. So back in those days, we we developed um, a platform called Java Media Framework, and this was a co-development of IBM Research with Sun Microsystems, standard API for multimedia in the Java language that was fun. And uh, from there, Yuval, you went on to uh, Intel and Kodak and HP, and for the past eight years, you've been uh, heavily involved in cloud gaming, first in a company called Playcast. That company was acquired by Gamefly. And in turn, Gamefly last year was acquired by Electronic Arts. So uh, here we are. And uh, I think for, for a start, why don't you tell us what exactly is cloud gaming? Because I know some people confuse it with multiplayer gaming or esports broadcasting so what exactly is cloud gaming and how is it different from regular gaming yeah sure so first of all you know when someone refers to cloud gaming what do they refer to right uh so when you know when we refer at least in this podcast to cloud gaming it's more about running games on the server and streaming them as video to the end device. So the gamepad command are sent back to the server and you get an end-to-end gaming experience. The advantage is that the user uh, does not need to have any high-end hardware like a console or, or a strong PC. It's just an end device that potentially could play uh, streaming video in low latency and has, let's assume, a USB port that you can connect the gamepad to. When you look on multiplayer, you can also find the cloud, right? The cloud is everywhere, also in, in multiplayer. Uh, but in that case, the servers are used to calculate uh, what you would call the game state, okay? According to various inputs from various players. But in, in multiplayer, uh, uh, traditionally, the client still renders the game on the end device. 
And then you have the eSport or, you know, game streaming where you broadcast or stream uh, the gameplay in real time or post uh, a gameplay uh, later on. And here you could also use the cloud, right, to store, transcode, or uh, do a proxy of the uh, streaming of the content. Uh, and that may also be referred to, you know, gaming and cloud. So these are more or less the three areas where you can think on cloud and and here we will focus mainly on the first one on cloud gaming where we run the game on the server itself right that that's the tough one right uh, right because in uh, in esports broadcasting you need to uh, to broadcast the game you need to do the video encoding you do it locally for the for the upload from your a console and then it may be transcoded for distribution but delay is um, is not critical and then right. with multiplayer games delay is very critical and all those calculations of um, of the game state that are done in the cloud but the processing is not is not heavy and the amount of data that flows between that server and the clients is is quite small it's just the state right. of the game now, when you come to cloud gaming, that's really the, the toughest uh, challenge of all because you need to render the video in the cloud, then you need to encode it in the cloud, and then you need to stream it to the client, and the client uh, reacts, of course, sends command, and then you need to stream the video back. And all of this, this loop has to be closed with a very low delay. So right. uh, indeed, this is, uh, uh, this is challenging. So can you tell us a bit about uh, what techniques uh, can be used to overcome the challenge and really enable very low delay uh, video streaming for cloud gaming? Yeah. So I think you outlined it very nicely. And one thing that when you look into cloud gaming is the fact that you need to take care of the end-to-end, -end, right? Through the whole change, encoding, network, decoder, everything. It's not that you need to optimize just one piece, you need to optimize uh, everything because each one of those components right. can uh, introduce uh, latency uh, in a certain aspect. Take the decoder. Decoders usually use uh, buffering for various reasons, uh, uh, adapting to the network characteristics uh, and whatever other reasons. And those buffers introduce latency. If you have a buffer that right. uh, holds two or three frames, then you have a two or three frames latency, which is a lot for uh, gaming. Uh, the same or similar buffer could be on the encoder side. If you do look ahead, like which frame I'm going to predict from, and you want to accumulate uh, several frames, that can also introduce latency on the encoder side. So these are two examples of buffers that can introduce latency then there could be the case where you, what type of, of uh, frames you're using. Uh, in video encoding, we all know that you can use iframe, pframe, bframes. Bframes mm -hmm. require bidirectional prediction. So you need to uh, buffer the, both the previous frame and the future frame, right? And you cannot right. transmit the, the current frame encoded un until you completed uh, uh, that uh, encoding using the, the future frame. So that's another frame that you need to hold in the encoder and yet another uh, latency. So one uh, approach would be, let's not use B-frames. Let's only use P-frames, yeah. right? Right, but, uh, but B-frames are smaller, right? B-frames are smaller. So you, you, if you use just P-frames, what is the impact of your uh, bitrate? 
right? That can affect your bitrate. Right. So these are uh, types of, of techniques that can on, an, on one hand reduce the delay, but have impact on other aspects. Uh, and you need to take care of that. And and of course, it's not only the delay, it's also the continuity, right? Uh, you can't stop the game in the middle saying, hey, I'm, I'm buffering now. <laughs> I'm doing buffering, wait. <laughs> so every change you make in the system, you need to ensure uh, that uh, uh, you don't introduce an additional uh, latency in and every algorithm that you are developing, you know, to address maybe network characteristics, need to take that into account. What, what is the latency we are talking about? I mean, if, if we talk about a typical game, so what is this end-to-end -end latency, this round-trip delay from the moment I make a move in my game console or in my controller, actually, at the client side, the player side, and until I see the new video that resulted from this uh, uh, action, uh, which caused rendering and, and the creation of video encoding and streaming to me, uh, in order to have a good experience, so I won't feel a difference from a local uh, uh, playing of that game on a console, what should be that uh, round-trip uh, delay? The, the answer is, is, is slightly complex because it depends uh -huh. on the game. Uh, there are games ah, that are more okay. sensitive to latency and there are games that are less sensitive to, to latency. Also, it's also a matter of how your brain can compensate. If you take a racing game, it will be easier for your brain to compensate. If you take a platform game where you jump on a 2D platform, uh, uh -huh, you will feel uh -huh. the latency even more rather than a shooter because where did I press the button and where did the actual uh, bullet was fired? You don't necessarily would notice that. But when you jump and uh -huh. you actually miss uh, the jump because you jump too late, then you will feel the latency. Mm -hmm. So it, right, it, it right. is game dependent. It is dependent if you're in multiplayer or not in multiplayer. It depends how the game is designed. Uh, it's game by game. So there is no like no one single answer. But it's usually it's about tens of milliseconds. Yeah, Yuval, I'm wondering um, uh, what are the trade-offs in, in low-delay video streaming? And, you know, I'm equating it to um, what we deal with, and that is that you know, there's always kind of a, we think of them as sort of like three pillars. Um, there's, you know, quality, bit rate, and performance. And many of our listeners are nodding their heads saying yes. And it's kind of universally understood that there's generally a trade-off. So you can't win in all three um, pillars. You, you you win in one, you know, so, so you might produce very, very good quality in your encoder, but your bit rate's going to be higher and your performance is, is going to be, you know, slower, you know, or you might optimize for bit rate, but that affects quality and so on and so forth. Now, uh, of course, we, you know, we've worked very, very hard, so you can win in all three of those. But I'm just wondering, you know, for your application, if we bring this back to, you know, quality, bit rate, performance, you know, do you have to go through the same trade-offs? I mean, are you stuck, you know, making some of those same decisions? Um, yeah. Maybe you can tell us about that. Yeah. Like, first of all, of course, we, we, we are pushing the envelope, like, you know, because we, as, as you mentioned, these are the trade-offs. When you talk about low latency, it's also a question how low. There are definitely those trade-offs and uh, not all the encoders are the same, each one of them. You could have two encoders encoding in the same format, but each one of them has 
different complexity and different quality. Even for the same complexity, you can have different quality depending on the encoder, right? So, and, and in cloud gaming, there is, a, you know, it's a higher effect, right? Because first of all, you would like to have minimal bitrate when you stream over OTT networks. You don't have too much time in the encoder to spend on, you know, uh, algorithms and uh, complex uh, uh, compute, you know, to find what is the, the perfect compression tools I can use or in that. And everything has to be in real time and it has to be fast. Take another example from a different angle, right? You have the TV, and today TVs uh, use filters, right, to improve the quality. You can do sharpening, do whatever. Each one of those algorithms can introduce latency uh, in the TV. Uh, that will affect your end-to-end latency. And another aspect is regarding the network. So you have network issues. You have packet loss, uh, for example, and one may say, okay, I will retransmit the packet, right? I know that the packet is lost. I can send an event. I can retransmit the packet. But that will have an implication on the latency. So even the algorithm that you are designing to address such scenarios uh, need to take into account the uh, low delay and can impact it. Uh, so it's yet another trade-off that you, you uh, may do. By the way, it also depends how close you are to the server. Right? You could be maybe five milliseconds or 20, or it depends. And, and then you may apply different schemes because, in a sense, you have higher latency to the server, so you need to do things faster than if you are closer to the server. Uh, Mobile World Congress Barcelona just wrapped uh, last week. And uh, I mean, 5G is the rage. 5G is, you know, was a CES. Yeah. NAB is going to be the 5G show. I mean, everything, 5G, 5G, 5G. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the aspects that, uh, about 5G I want to ask you about, you know, to get your thoughts and perspectives is the idea that 5G is going to enable an edge network. Right. We've been talking about computing at the edge for years. I mean, Cisco, I can remember 10 years ago sitting in a, um, a cable tech uh, expo conference and listening to Cisco talk about, you know, computing at the edge. So this has been conceptually talked about for years and, of course, makes a lot of sense, but it really hasn't been that feasible or practical. I'm curious, especially with what you just said about the distance to the server, is 5G going to be some sort of an enabler or, you know, is, is that exciting to you or is it just kind of more bandwidth so it's exciting or, you know, what about 5G and the edge computing? Yeah, you know, one of the characteristics of 5G is the latency, right? The ability to uh, have low latency, by the way, not only for... Uh, streaming or video applications. Uh, you can think of uh, 5G as an enabler to other low latency applications like uh, smart cars, right? Where you want to do some, sure. Absolutely. A, a very f- complex compute uh, and you want to do it in the cloud, you need a very fast network, very low delay. Uh, 5G could be an enabler for that. So uh, 5G definitely is an interesting technology when it comes to low latency and sustaining bandwidth and, and having the ability to have uh, higher bit rates to the end device. And I think it will be very interesting uh, to see how it evolves with respect to cloud gaming, definitely. Does it help when you do the computations on the edge and not uh, 
like in the core of the cloud, which the edge is supposed to be closer to the client? Yeah, the closer you are to the device, right? The lower latency, end-to-end -end latency that you have. So I, I wouldn't say whether it's the edge or not the edge, but it's more the, the proximity to the servers, right? The, the closer you are, the better. So if you are on the edge, mm -hmm. then you're very close, right? So those can have positive effect in cloud gaming. Right. Did you hear about the term fog computing? That's fog a new one. That's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> fog computing. Uh, fog networks. Fog computing is when the cloud... It's very foggy. It, uh, <laughs> fog computing is very simple. What is fog? Fog is when a cloud comes down to earth. So this is exactly fog computing when the cloud comes down to earth and you create this cloud of edge uh, computers, local servers, and IoT devices, which are the cloud, but they're not up in the sky. They're local to where you are. And this is the fog. <laughs> the cloud comes down to earth. Other, guys, guys, I'm not making this up. I'm not make, look it up. I'm not making this up. <laughs> No, there is. Fog yeah, computing, yeah. Wikipedia, there yeah. is one. Yeah. There, I didn't, I told by, you. Written by George Gill. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I didn't make this up. What a, what a great way to plug your Wikipedia, uh, you know, listing uh, there. Yeah, George. sure. No. <laughs> Attribution. No, I, I love That's this. Fun. I mean, it's so descriptive. The cloud coming down to earth and you know, have this network of, of local computers and IoT devices doing uh, high-performance computations, again, in low delay because they're close to you and uh, you don't need to go up to the cloud uh, for doing that stuff. So uh, yeah, let's see where that goes. Yuval, I'd like to go back to video encoding. You mentioned uh, kind of the trade-offs that have to be done, that need to be done when you're doing um, video encoding for, for gaming. Is there, uh, and, and there are a variety of video compression standards that, that you can use. Typically in the entertainment world, we, we tend to use the more complex uh, encoders, the modern encoders, because right. they give the best compression efficiency, but they also have some complex uh, tools. Right. And you were talking about doing a lot of things fast. So with cloud gaming, uh, is it a situation where you go back to earlier generations uh, of codecs <laughs> that are simpler? Yeah. Or uh, how do you um, um, position your uh, your usage of encoders in in terms of adopting uh, the newest uh, uh, compression standards and technologies? Yeah, at the end, it's about choosing which uh, tools in the encoder give you, on one hand, a benefit; on the other hand, do not introduce a significant latency. And you know, we we spoke earlier on the trade-offs. It's yet another trade-off. You know, when you look, for example, let's take uh, H.265, right? It's it's uh, it introduces a much higher encoding uh, complexity than H.264, and you will gain bitrate re uh, reduction for the same quality, but the complexity of the encoder can in increase your latency significantly. So you need to uh, uh, find which tools are applicable in each one of the standards uh, and, and how you create like this cloud gaming mode in a sense for the encoder that uh, you will gain from without harming too significantly uh, the latency. 
Okay, so each decision, in a sense, that the encoder needs to make in real time uh, needs to be taken into account uh, in that environment. So again, it, it depends. Each one of the standard has its own tools and own uh, uh, you know definition of algorithm that can be used, and you need to pick. Right? We know that there are tools that give you a significant amount of uh, uh, improvement in terms of the uh, bitrate but has a cost. And there are those that give you an improvement at a very relatively minimal cost, performance cost. So we need to choose. You know, Yuval, is is it even possible for you to utilize, uh, if you wanted to, like FPGAs or, or ASICs, or, or do you, is that just too complex to have to navigate between what you're doing on the CPU and then encoding on hardware? Yeah, actually, if you look on the cloud gaming history, earlier days, uh, like many years ago, it started as uh, software solutions. You would do the encoding in software, so you would just run the game on the GPU, on the server, or on the cloud, and and do the encoding in in software, right? But that doesn't scale. It doesn't scale also, especially when you go to you know, the advanced codecs and, and higher uh, resolutions. And, and you, you have to go to ASIC or hardware-based solutions. So you do see that uh, the trend. And, and especially today, most of the solutions that you see out there uh, are hardware-based. And you have actual products uh, from the GPU vendors that, that bundle both a GPU and an encoder together as one product. In order to enable that on one and high quality, low latency encoding, and also to uh, save some of the data transfer that you need to do if you're using separate cards. Uh, when everything is on the same card, you get a much higher data throughput uh, from the GPU uh, to the encoder, which is very significant. Yeah, it, it seems like... Uh... Those platforms from uh, both, I think, NVIDIA and uh, Intel that have uh, the GPU uh, embedded hardware accelerators for video encoding are kind of natural for uh, cloud gaming um, um, applications. Yes. So each one of the GPU vendors, uh, Intel, AMD, NVIDIA, each one of them uh, has commercial products where you have a GPU uh, combined with an encoder that you could potentially use for cloud gaming, as well as other applications like uh, remote visualization of mm -hmm. applications, right? And all of these platforms are available on public cloud, so you can just spin up an instance. It depends. It GPU. depends on the so it depends on the cloud provider. Each each cloud provider chooses the hardware they they use. Uh, some have multiple offering. Some have only a certain offering, so it uh, it depends. Yeah, so so basically, yes, you could if you want to have a GPU and an encoder uh, as part of of a cloud solution, you can go to one of the cloud providers and spin up an instance, and you'll get it just there. Do you end up needing to optimize for a particular platform? You know, as you're as you're developing, because your application is so specific. Yeah. You know, so let's just say generically, without naming a vendor, you know, a GPU platform. Yeah. Uh, or are you able to work a, a little more broadly 
across these various solutions? Yeah, I, I think the you know when you look on those solutions, it it the question is to what those solutions were designed to, right? If there yeah, is a solution right. which is designed to let's say remote visualization, it has a certain set of requirements, latency, the the bitrate control, uh, and a set of assumptions. Mm-hmm. When you go to cloud gaming, it depends which game, for example, you're streaming. Is it a game which has very less uh, movement, uh, more casual? Is it a shooter? Is it a racer? Is it a sports game? Each one of those, I would say also because of the type of the content, uh, could impose a certain uh, requirements on the bitrate control or on the encoder. And, and it depends how that encoder is designed. And, and, and according to that, you may find yourself with a need for modifications. Yes, yes, I can see that. You know, Dror, <laughs> we thought we lived in a complex world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we always say video is complex. Like you have, uh, you know, full HD, you have 2 million pixels every second, and this repeats 30 or 60 times a second, and it's so much information and so many parameters and encoding and decoding. Now take all of that and combine that with rendering a game, combine that with uh, delivering the video, combine that with having a back channel for your uh, game uh, commands and action going back to a server and you get something that is uh, even more complex than, than the exactly itself, and right? needing to balance the fact that game a might be a little more or a little less restrictive on latency you know as we talked about early in the interview <laughs> game b you know is tighter and then you think about the platform choices it's amazing i wanted to go back to you touched on it and it was uh, uh network let's just say FEC, you know, so forward error correction and things that you you might be doing in, in the network that, again, in, in sort of traditional entertainment content streaming, there's um, Zixie and, you know, there is, uh, let's see, what is that? Um, SRT, is that mm-hmm. it, Dror? Mm-hmm. Am I remembering yeah, correctly? Yeah, there's SRT, yeah. there's just, uh, all sorts of um, standard um, uh, protocols for- That's delivery. right. Overlay video over the internet. Right. Some of them used uh, for contribution. Some of them for distribution. That's yeah. right. And so, are you? So, my question, Yuval, is: Are are you also able to take advantage of some of these solutions and techniques, or you know, are there new ones that have had to be developed? You know, for for your application. Yeah, I, th- I think those. You know, uh, you gave as an example SRT. SRT has a certain uh, approach, uh, which is uh, uh, more. Uh, which is designed for low latency, right? And mm-hmm. when you look on what are the uh, low latency implications, they come uh, more significantly when you do the streaming in uh, in the open in an open network, right? OTT. Uh, you have packet loss. Yes. You have changes in the uh, in the bandwidth, uh, and you need to adjust all of those. So you mentioned FEC. FEC is one scheme that one may consider, but then you increase your bitrate, right? And that has implications. In cloud gaming, you have an open channel, right? Between the client and the server. Uh, And you could report like, hey, a packet was lost. Okay, we can maybe do something with that. Maybe adjust the stream or do something else, right? So all of those can be done in real time. Another aspect is 
how you distribute the type of frames, like iframe, B frames. We, we spoke earlier on B frames. An iframe will cause you a, a spike, right, in the bitrate, a bitrate peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may not want to have that uh, if you are restricted on the on the bandwidth. Uh, you may want, you know, in, instead of using, like, for example, iframe, maybe to do a more gradual refresh of the of the frame using intermacro box. That's another approach that you could use and gradually clean the image because you cannot stop the, the stream. Uh, everything is in real time. Everything in, is in low latency. Yeah, absolutely. Are you also varying the size of the GOP? It seems like that would be another strategy, right? Right, you could or, do that. Is that yeah, yeah, you could. You, is is that something that is done, or is that just you know more complex for the benefit? I mean, the benefit isn't high enough. Yeah, so potentially one could do use that scheme, right? Uh, you know, the higher the the uh, the network conjunctions that you that you sense, uh, you, you modify the, the GOP structure accordingly. Uh, sure. There could be various means. Uh, uh, each one of them, you know, of course, has a pros and cons. So you, these are the exact issues that you need to, to take care of uh, when you're doing cloud gaming over the top, okay? Uh, even the simple case of uh, bandwidth limitation. You started playing a game Suddenly, someone opens uh, a YouTube video, 4K maybe, and now you don't have enough bandwidth at home for that, both the uh, cloud gaming and the the video streaming. Now you need to adopt, right? Uh, How fast can you sense that there is a problem in in the available bandwidth? And you need to do that in real time. So I will not need to stop my game because of that and resume it later. Right. Uh, in traditional solutions, we say, okay, uh, I'm pausing uh, the video for a sec. Maybe I'm doing some measurement, making decision, and now deciding how low I would go on the new stream. In cloud gaming, everything needs to happen in real time, and you need to develop a way to sense the network and and make a decision very very fast. That's right. In that scenario, I'm just curious, do, do you default to reducing resolution? It seems like the most immediate thing you could do is reduce resolution, right? Is yeah. that? Yeah, there are different approaches. One could reduce the resolution. You can reduce the frame rate. You can reduce both. Frame rate. Yeah, it depends. Although, again, some games are very susceptible to frame rate, though, right? Just like we were talking about latency. Aren't there some where you know, a viewer would notice 60 frames uh, or 30 frames compared to 60 frames. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same question about resolution, right? Uh, how, That's right. How would That's that be right. Sense? That's true. And uh, what, what would uh, the user prefer as well, right? So you, you, you talked a lot about the, um, the encoder side and things that can be done on encoding and on the server side and all of that. If, if we look at uh, the other side of the coin, the client side, mm-hmm. it's not only a video player, but it's a client because that's where the game is, is being played and you have a controller. And um, are there things that can be done on the client side that can help uh, the experience as yeah. well? Yeah, so for sure. TVs uh, and clients are designed to play videos very smoothly and buffering is one way to ensure that, right? That you have a... a a smooth and fluent uh, uh, video, which introduces latency. So that's 
one optimization, for example, that uh, needs to happen in order to ensure that uh, there is a uh, low latency on the device itself. We mentioned earlier various uh, image post-processing that can happen on the TV, uh, and each one of those filters can can introduce uh, latency or affect quality. Did you see that video? Did you see that video with Tom Cruise? No, no. Oh, it, it was an amazing video. He, he came, uh, he shot a video on the set of uh, Top Gun uh, Maverick. Mm-hmm. It was him standing there together with the director of um, Mission Impossible Fallout. And uh, they were saying, uh, listen, uh, everybody uh, over there at home, you know, you have a TV, a new one, that's great. But it came from the factory with a default of uh, smoothing your video. Uh, this is what's called, uh, what's known as a soap opera effect. Yeah. So essentially to show a smooth uh, video stream, what the TVs do is they take uh, the input um, uh, video, whether it's 24 or 30 frames per second, and they generate a 60 frames per second stream that looks very smooth, but it's not what the director intended film is shot at 24 frames per second and that's what the director or the creator of the film wants you to see that's the creative intent so tom cruise in that video is saying okay everybody go now this is what you need to look for in your menu and shut that thing off (laughs) (laughs) that's not how we want you uh, to watch the video so yeah i guess this uh, smoothing effect and and doubling frames and things like that are also not very good for yeah. Um, for gaming experience. And, and by the way, also scaling. You have a 4K TV and you are streaming, let's say, a 1080p. The TV will scale the video, right? Uh, what is the quality? What is the latency of that scaling? Yuval, this has been an amazing discussion. Really, really enjoyed it. And I think our listeners uh, will enjoy it too. And uh, thank you again uh, for coming back and we'll have to have you on. Maybe we can, uh, we can dive in and go a little bit deeper into some of the, some of the areas that we touched on here in a follow-up interview. So thank you. Sure. Thank you very much, guys. It was a pleasure. Well, excellent. Well, till next time, uh, remember, you can always reach out to us. And uh, if you would like to come on the show, then please send us an email at the video insiders at beamer that's b-e-a-m-r dot com or you can reach out to drawer and myself on linkedin we're pretty accessible we would love to have you join us yeah we're 24 7 on linkedin so you can always uh, access us and ping us and we'll we really uh will be very happy to have you uh, on the show. If you have something interesting you want to uh, talk about, some insights about uh, the industry, a particular application that's, uh, that really uh, you know stretches the technology in any way, drop us a line and we'll be happy to have you on. Absolutely. And thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, go to thevideoinsiders.com. Until next time, thank you and have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Video Insiders Podcast, a production of Beamer Limited. To begin using Beamer's Codex today, go to beamer.com forward slash free to receive up to 100 hours of no-cost HEVC and H264 transcoding every month.